What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Lee, And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod, Pod Yourself the Wire. Wire. A The Wire podcast where me and Vince Mancini go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Thank you once again for joining us for the world's only The Wire podcast. A wonderful show. The Wire, a show that puts the fun in defund the police hey <laughs> we're having a good time mm, politics everybody politics please give us five stars in a review uh on whatever podcast app that you're using whatever way you can rate it please do uh you know text it to your friends do all the things that you can do to help us because this is a new one and uh, we're trying to make sure that everyone gets a chance to listen to us talk about the best tv show uh from the early 2000s that's not about Italians. Mm. I'm trying to qualify it in case any of our Sopranos listeners are like, wow. That's not about we've... Italians or executive produced by Mark Wahlberg. Yes, exactly. Get a, Good point. Yeah, that's an important uh, you one. have to separate because people, there's a lot of Entourage fans who listen to this and they're like, please do not besmirch the good name Mm-mm. of Entourage, a show about fucking bad. <laughs> that's what I think the show was about. Anyways, <laughs> today. <laughs> We can get in. I mean, I could do a whole 20 minutes on Entourage, but you know, that's not why well, we're let's here. Let's introduce our yeah, guests and talk that. about what episode we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about from season one of The Wire, episode four, Old Cases. And our guest today, oh, he is a returning champion, two time pod yourself a gun guest to sopranos podcast he also has his own podcast about fashion free validation you can also read his wonderful articles in the la times everyone please welcome back to the podcast dave Schilling. hey guys wow a new show to yep. talk about I, I i wish we could just go back and watch sopranos again yeah, I know. Someday. Let's, just, let's just double back and yeah, let's we, do it one more time. That'll be season three. Yeah, I, we thought about it, and then we were just like, what if the podcast just goes on forever of just The Sopranos mm-hmm. over and over and over again? Because I kind of forget 
you know, what yeah. happens. Yeah. So there's all kinds of wonderful Easter eggs for you to uncover on your 12th rewatch of this. Yeah. Brand. No, my brain Absolutely. is like painting the Golden Gate Bridge with, you know, like at a certain point, I'm just going to keep re-remembering and re-forgetting stuff. That's kind of nice to know, though. Like, if you get once you get like really old, you start getting dementia or something. You can rewatch shows you've already seen and be like, "This is the best show ever." Yeah, and that's what Junior would do with uh, Mannix. Yeah, Manix? that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my favorite episode of Mannix is on again. <laughs> oh, good, Arliss is on again. Arliss. I figured. I, he's also a big Arliss fan. <laughs> yeah. So hey, this is about the Wire, though, dude. Do you like the Wire? I love The Wire. I I have The Wire um, on Blu-ray for no reason because you can watch it on HBO Max right now. <laughs> physical but media, I believe in is important. Media. They can't they can't retcon it if you own it on on Blu-ray. That's true. I don't yeah. think that's true. <laughs> but they, they won't they won't George Lucas special edition season two of The Wire and take Frank Sabaka out or anything. <laughs> yeah. Replace him be... with with fucking uh, I don't know Paul Sorvino or something. Yeah. Why? What would they retcon on The Wire? I'm trying to think. Like I would. If it were me and I were George Lucasing it, I'd be like, "Can we show Ziggy's dick?" Mm. Because I don't think we ever really get to see his like full hog, and they allude to it. Yeah, there would have been an outcry if that happened today about them not hanging dong. I feel like that's yeah. true. I was gonna say, you know, Michael K. Williams in his posthumously released autobiography mm. said he wanted to have more gay sex in The Wire. Uh-huh. Which is weirdly a text message that Matt sends me all the time. <laughs> well, you well, know, I just... it's three in the morning, dude. Leave me alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but there should be more butt fucking. Like I do <laughs> text you that a lot. Um, but you know, hog yourself the wire. A <laughs> I don't know where Bite to go with yourself that. a wire. Yeah. Um, I feel like they like got all donged out with with Oz, and mm. they're like, that's our dong show. And yeah. so they made it so that all the other actors, all the other shows they had, they're like, no, we're not hanging dong, which is uh, kind of unfortunate. But do you have a, a like a favorite character in The Wires or someone that you love a lot or relate to? Or Oh, boy. I mean, I almost want to ask you guys who you think I'm like. Lester mm. Freeman, maybe? Maybe a little Lester there? Got a little Lester. Yeah, maybe a little Bubs. He's definitely, bubs. Lester's probably the most fashionable, wouldn't you say? He's the coolest guy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, He's got those really great tweed suits and Mm -hmm. his little glasses and he's making his little tiny furniture. You can tell Mm -hmm. he likes jazz. Oh yeah. And he can he can he can drink McNulty under the table too. A hundred percent. He's a big alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a drunk, but like he knows how to like keep it together because he just is so smooth. Yeah. At being a drunk, which yeah. is something the Irish are physically incapable of being. <laughs> it genetically makes you more violent or uh, more likely to yeah. spawn children. Yeah, you can and then tell... ignore them. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Every the the more of the freckles, the more of the propensity for, for violence. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's yeah, my version see... of phrenology. Yeah, that, I, I think freckleology actually is real, though. I've, like, I, I remember the kids growing up in my neighborhood. Uh, there was this one like Irish family, and they were uh, like all of their kids were ginger, like mm. every single one. Which I was like, this is an anomaly, right? You can't have all gingers. Um, and the one with the least amount of freckles was like the most cool, but the one who was just all freckles was just like the most violent kid in the neighborhood. He was yeah. like, he was an old time, old timey street Mick, but it was like 1990. So it was kind of weird. Well, he was the kind old, of a throwback. Wait, were you friends with the kid from the Sandlot? Yeah. Was, <laughs> he, he's a big <laughs> Scientologist now. I'm sure. Absolutely brutal. Oh, just no. a complete bare knuckle badass. 
<laughs> whooping people. Uh, Don't cross him on the street. Supposedly I that was a Neanderthal gene was having red hair. That, that was something that we got from the Neanderthals. Oh, I heard that the, the redhead is going away. That genetically, because they're so disgustingly mm. unappealing. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's fucking them. I mean, I have. See, oh God, I'm gonna get canceled for this. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sort dude. of a daywalker because I, I got like I don't have red hair, but I have a red facial hair. So yeah, and like there is a couple times where I was dating redheaded women, and I was like, oh no, is this like am I cursing my children uh, with ginger genes now that they're gonna have it on both sides? Yeah, but, uh, my mom is a ginger. married a brunette. My, thank God. My mom is a ginger, and uh, I I'm not sure how the genetics part works. Mm-hmm. So is there a chance? that my that my children will be ginger probably not considering now you've introduced asian genes to your child oh yeah that's right dave are you still there oh yeah, yeah. Oh, what I, thought the fuck? You were, I thought you were frozen <laughs> no no i was texting my girlfriend what the fuck? Oh, oh that makes sense <laughs> i'm just waiting hey for babe the power just to talking about out. redheads over here yeah, I have nothing to add to this. <laughs> That's fair. That's I fair. said I made my joke on. about the kid from the from the mm-hmm. Sandlot, and now I'm finished. Sometimes well, okay. you get into riff mode and you can't move on. It's just that's one of the drawbacks of riffing. That's why I'm shutting the fuck up so we can move on. <laughs> wow. I mean, I just like. What are your thoughts about gingers? Um, I hate them. So, okay. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. Well, this is not a podcast about gingers. Gross. No, this is a podcast. <laughs> This is a podcast about The Wire, and we, of course, cannot start the podcast without first playing the theme song. Podcast. Pod. The wire. You gotta keep the devil. Pod. Down in the hole. Pod. Down in the hole. Pod. Down in the hole. Pod. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, today we're talking about from season one, episode four of The Wire Old Cases. And uh, this episode came out uh, June 23rd, 2002. Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? That's right, Matt. I think what you're trying to say is that in order to uh, evaluate any piece of art... I asked you for the synopsis. Oh, shit. All right. Well, I don't (laughs) listen to you a lot of the time. You are on autopilot. (laughs) That's right. Uh, The synopsis is what I'm going to read. Detective McNulty tries to prove he is the smartest one in the room, but gets overshadowed by Detective Freeman. So McNulty tries to fuck Kima to prove that at least he's the sexiest one in the room. Yeah. That's what happened. That is what happened. That's the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. So, uh, so what happened uh, at the time that this episode came out, Vince? That's right, Matt. I think what you're trying to say is that we cannot evaluate art mm-hmm. divorced from its cultural it. context. And that therefore, we have to add that cultural context uh, back in, and we do that through something that we call the back-in-the-day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. 
They ain't no back in the day. Machine tells the tale, son. See, I added that new part. They ain't no back in the day. That's from our, our listener, Horse, who also helped us do the logo. Uh, ah, uh, yeah. thank you, Horse. horse. Gold yeah, star thank listener. thank you, Horse, for, yeah, suggested, hey, you know what? At some point, Cheese yells, there ain't no back in the day uh, slur. Cheese. And so I, I added that. Yeah, I could say it, you know. I know you can, but we're, we're not going to say I don't even know if I want to play someone else saying it in a bumper. Yeah. That's how not racist I am. All right. Well, gold you star for you, guys ask me buddy. onto the show just so that someone could say it? I mean, <laughs> someone needs to say No. Uh, we're going Come all the here. way back in the day to June 23rd, 2002. Mm. All the way back. twenty More than 20 years ago. Whew. Yeah. Time flies, That's, you guys. Um, yeah. Um, a few things that were going on back then. Uh, I was taking the SATs. Oh, nice. Ann Landers, the straight-talking advice giver to generations, dead at 83. Oh, fuck. Uh, Ann Landers died then? Yep. Yeah, Ep- I, thought she, I thought she lived at least till like, 2012. Yeah, me too. Hmm. Don't they keep running Ann Landers' I advice think columns? one of their children still does one of the columns. I'm not sure which one. Uh, Epi Letterer, who as the syndicated columnist Ann Landers was widely considered responsible for bringing the advice column into the modern era, died on Saturday at her home in Chicago. Uh, a mm. multiple myeloma, a cancer of the bone marrow. Well, that sucks. Uh, okay. Mrs. Letterer, who became Ann Landers in 1955, avoided the quavering prose and Victorian euphemism of an earlier generation of newspaper sob sisters in favor of hard-nosed, often witty discussion of contemporary woes that, as she liked to say, would twirl your turban. Whoa. Well, all right. A little problematic. I'm glad you're dead now. Uh, <laughs> wow. Calm down. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. A petite, elegant woman who favored high heels and silk, Mrs. Letterer had delicate features and a voice of pure ground glass. And an ass that could melt butter. <laughs> uh, Damn, she was high. Ooh, mm, that girl was hot. Uh, now no. let me explain her mouth. <laughs> Uh, her dirty twi- little mouth would give me the greatest advice. She advised millions of readers on problems as varied as acne, alcoholism, and AIDS, often in spirited competition with her identical twin sister, who wrote the advice column, Dear Abby. Mm, uh, that's right. I forgot that they were identical twins. I know. And, our, and oh, sorry. identical jobs, too. That's yeah, kind of weird. That's how identical they were. And the same husband? I hope, dude. Yeah, one lucky. That's so fella. hot. And twins. <laughs> Remember beer commercials? Oh, I'm sorry. And twins. Twins. Oh, incest. Okay. An ardent liberal on most social issues, she was d- deeply traditional in matters of personal morality. She never mm. smoked or drank a- alcohol, and remained, in her words, a nice Jewish girl from Sioux City, Iowa whose public expressions of annoyance never got much stronger than, oh, banana oil. Hmm. Banana oil? That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is I've what never she heard rubs of. on her juicy butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rub I'm my not... banana oil on there. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, That's crazy that she's like, these got to be the only Jews in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. And still the only Jews giving advice to strangers. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's a no question. Uh, we, we keep that, uh, you know, in the community. That's what we do. <laughs> we, don't, right. we don't give our advice. Put to a little anyone. string around it. Um, <laughs> another news crisis of confidence drags stocks down. The major market averages fell in 12 of the past 14 weeks, even as the economy has steadily improved and corporate profits have consistently ri- risen. Hmm. Uh, Familiar story. 
Layoffs have mostly stopped, and most working Americans admit they are not fearful about losing their jobs. So what's the problem? For an answer, you might ask Martha Stewart, or I am clone ex-CEO Sam Waxall, or disgraced Tyco chief Dennis Kozlowski, or any of the other mm-hmm. bigwigs of corporate America who are now under investigation or arrest for financial shenanigans. Oh, that's right. And Martha Stewart's about to to go to jail for a little bit. Yeah, dude. Remember point, when right? she tanked the whole stock market? Like, yeah, you can't dude. Believe that was in crazy. Martha Stewart. What can you what can you believe in? Another uh, news: uh, Anthrax in mail was newly made. Investigators say uh, this was uh, this was one year since the Anthrax mailing story. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Scientists have determined that the anthrax powder sent through the mail last fall was fresh, made no more than two years before it was sent, senior officials said. The new finding has concerned investigators who say it indicates that whoever sent the anthrax could make more and strike again. Uh, Man, that never any... happened again, did it? It literally yeah, no. never happened again. It literally did. I, I, what? Did they ever find out who did that? I had to look this up. It's very uh, interesting. Um, they So they pinned it on this guy, Bruce Edwards Ivins, a scientist at the government's biodefense labs in Fort Detrick, Maryland. What? Um, Ivins was put under periodic surveillance, and an FBI document stated that he was, quote, an extremely sensitive suspect in the 2001 anthrax attacks. Uh, in, He's uh, very in July- sensitive. <laughs> Don't yeah. talk to him like that. <laughs> He's so sensitive. Uh, in on July 29th, two thousand eight. Don't yell at me! I'll blow anthrax in your face. <laughs> Ivan's committed suicide. Stop eating my leftovers in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go ahead, eat them. See what happens. You're gonna eat something else. Some fresh powder, and yeah. it's not snow. It's anthrax. I hope you like cow because this is made from cow, I think. I don't know. Uh, on, in 2008, Ivan's committed suicide with an overdose of acetaminophen. Oh. Um, oh, fuck. That's oh. how he did it? That's right. the worst way to go. Prosecutors yeah. declared him the sole culprit based on DNA evidence. But then there was a 2011 <laughs> report that cast doubt on the government's conclusion that Ivan's was the perpetrator. Mm. Uh, so basically, uh, we got a, this is, we got a whole Epstein thing going on here. We don't really know. That's crazy. It was probably dude. Epstein. Yeah, yeah, it was probably him, dude. Yeah, it's always where who you most expect. <laughs> um, that is kind of insane, though, that he committed suicide. Like for those of you who don't know, um, if you're first of all, don't commit suicide, please. But don't. if you absolutely have to, unless you're a child molester. Well, yeah, yeah, no, no, kill yourself immediately. But it. <laughs> You absolutely, if you must, um, acetaminophen, taking an overdose of that will just, I think you're just, your liver shuts down and then you die um, painfully. Mm. So don't, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do any suiciding. This has been don't a message do from Matt Lee. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, and that's the stories uh, in your neck of the woods. So that's what was happening at the time. We had anthrax was out. You know, people thought terrorism was everywhere. The economy was just going. It was nosediving. And uh, Martha Stewart was getting caught up in the prison industrial complex. Shit is going down mm. Mm. in weird ways. And uh, with all of that said, now we can get into our discussion of this episode, Old Cases. Um, general thoughts real quick. What did we think of this episode? Vince? Um, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but uh, I feel like this is, uh, 
well, it's another classic YR episode. It's it's setting up it's setting up the big hooky tropes, which is sort of like the that's the skeleton of the wire is mm-hmm. those things that you know you want to see, like the real like uh, classic TV hooks. And in this case, they're sort of setting up this team up that's going to happen between uh, our new favorite character Omar, um, mm-hmm. and he's going to team up with our other faves McNulty and Bubbles mm-hmm. and Kima, like our classic uh, team of uh, yeah. team of uh, opposites that are going to come together and and be a rag, yeah. ragtag. Um, investigatory team so that's like the big hook an odd couple if you will. yeah an odd thruple or quadruple however yeah. you however you want to see it um yeah but of course it being the wire the thing that makes the wire great is sort of after it draws you in with that it's going to give you some some real shit about how like the incentive structure of police works in a big city and uh and then there's also a little bit about the sort of psychology of the corner boys. So it's got it's got a little bit of everything, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Dave, did you like this episode? Yeah, this is um an interesting episode of The Wire because the show is as we know called The Wire. <laughs> well, there's no wiretaps for 3 episodes. Nope. <laughs> At least there's, there's a tap tap of... tap but no wires. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds of like imagery of wiretapping and surveillance in the in the opening credits in the first episode not to to detract or distract from the this episode but the first episode i barely understood it when i first watched it yeah who the fuck are these people what's going on why Mm -hmm. do i care it was this episode where it all locked in the into place for me on my first watch which is like oh i see what this is supposed to be every week this is almost like the pilot Mm -hmm. this is like the first episode there's that great scene, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but there's that great scene where they figure out how the shooting happened. Yes. And the most fucks in any scene uh, in any television show ever. Brilliant. Yeah. It's Super like a, gimmicky, it's like and it works, I would say. Yeah, because they played it straight. Yeah. Yeah, they, they played it 100% straight, and they did something that you don't really ever see in TV um, in a way that feels natural, which is like you see actual detective work. Like, you see them kind of figuring it out. I feel like most of the time when you're watching detective work on TV, it's, like, literally just, it's law and order. You go up to a guy who's, like, you know, filing boxes, and he's, like, of course, you know, he's answering his questions, but he's also, like, listen, these boxes aren't going to stack themselves. I really got to get back to the box stacking. And they don't really, like, so much solve crimes as they do uh, kind of just, like, gather evidence for some trial you're going to see later. I feel like you don't you're not getting what it actually looks like to do police work and in this show for the first time i remember the first time i saw this scene i was like not only is it hilarious that they just say fuck and variations of that but also the way that they were figuring out the angle of the bullet Mm-hmm. was actually like i was like oh this is actually how they would do it this yeah is actually i think that whole thing collecting that whole, info yeah i think that whole scene is like it's very representative in that like on one level it's kind of corny like in the like yeah. in the sense that you're you're watching this sort of sork aaron sorkinized um competence porn of these guys sure like you know exposing themselves as great detectives in front of your eyes but i think because of the tone like the tone is is uh genuine i feel like most cop shows at this time would be all about these cops being very uh like 
romantic and sentimental about like the victim and these guys mm. are the exact opposite like that's not yeah. what drives them to do detective work and in the right. in the process of doing it like they've like they're the opposite of romantic they're super uh they're super unsentimental about it but they're very but like yeah. but and i think that makes the competence porn aspect of it work really well mm-hmm. but there, there are a lot of procedural cop shows that are unromantic and and very mm-hmm. like straight about the investigation of a murder. If it's right. like a Law and Order or Criminal Minds or NCIS or whatever, it's like there's a murder cigar, and then they pull up off the fucking tarp over the body, and then the the coroner guy or the whatever investigator is like, here are all the things that happened. Let me explain this to you. And then the detective right. goes, hmm, and then <laughs> he does a soliloquy about what he thinks occurred, and it just <laughs> takes forever. Yeah, there's this is. Almost a silent movie. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. It and, is so and, mundane. Mm-hmm. It is so yeah. boring. And it's both, they're both like competent, but also hilariously ridiculous. I mean, at one point, while McNulty is trying to figure out the angle of the shot that killed her, he pulls his gun out, points it at himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the guy, the landlord, is like, oh, yeah. He, he walks is, away. You're like, why the fuck is this cop pointing a gun at himself? And <laughs> you can just and point your like, finger at yourself. Yeah, you can yeah, make you a finger need, gun. Yeah. You don't need to take a loaded gun out to figure out angles. Hopefully, bro. he didn't adjust the, the pull of his trigger like Presbalewski. Like, he did no, that with no, Presbalewski's pistol. That's, that's dangerous. Yeah, that's an instant death sentence. But yeah, it's like the scene itself is just so, um, yeah, it's competence porn, and it's also just hilarious in its, I don't know, in the in the way that they're still kind of buffoons. The network TV detective is always competent in a way that it's like, wow, he's like a superhero. These guys are dumbasses, yeah. but they know kind of the basics of doing good police work and it's fun to see physics and how a bullet travels that's it that's all they they know a body falls like this a bullet goes like this and this is how far you need to be to shoot a person right they know bullet goes straight and that's kind (laughs) of what you need to know There is no curving bullet if me stand here bullet go here bullet come out this way Hmm, okay let's go get get drink yeah let's go drink now let's have sex with women yeah Um, but yes, it is. Uh, I, I love this episode. My thoughts are just that this to me is the episode where the wire really becomes its own thing. It's like that scene is so enjoyable to watch that I, that I don't even mind that I don't quite believe that someone, uh, is going to get a direct hit with a handgun from outside a window, uh, Mm -hmm. and kill a person that way. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily see that happening, but, uh, they made me believe it in the moment, and that's all that matters. The having tap 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 as like your you know motif for this whole killing is very Hollywood. But, Absolutely, but it sort of works. It works on the wire. Just you it know, works the way they it, play it. And let's be real, it's a bop. Anyways. <laughs> So, uh, you par- know. I think I think it partly works because they're so reluctant. Like, you know, other mm. other shows, they would have been like bloodhounds on the scent or whatever. Right? Like, yeah, we're gonna yeah. catch this guy, and these guys are a like cold case. Let's do it. These like, guys are like, like these guys are like ugh, really with this shit. Like, we gotta. Yeah. Uh, all right, I guess we'll do it just because we know the other guy that we work with sucks at his job, so we might as well go back over it and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. And- 
I'm, I'm sorry. I also have a clip of the the fuck scene that uh, you know. Uh, the I think is... fuck scene. Well, no, the scene where they say fuck, fuck, oh, fuck. I, right. I call it the fuck scene. Um, here's a clip. I really like B2K is the thing. Cool. I it's think a good that, song. I mean, it's just a fucking jam, dude. That it's was a, a great time for music. That was a great time. Jagged uh, Edge, B2K, oh, 112. I mean, all was, the legends. As soon as Omarion went solo, I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm too old for this. That's a mistake. There needs to be more hip-hop bands. That's yeah. what I said. It's like mm. when Coco left F- SWV. It's a mistake. Absolutely. Don't do that, yeah. Coco. Yeah. Fucking, you they know, need you, Coco, and you Lauren need Hill leaving the Fugees. It's like, but why? Fergie leaving Black Eyed Peas. Exactly. Why would you do that? Wait, why she left the it? Black Eyed Peas? Yeah. Remember yeah. she did the Duchess, the album? Oh, I can't believe I'm finding out this way. Can you, yeah. can you, can you drop some London Bridge in there? <laughs> <laughs> If I could, I would, but I will in post. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, to me. This is just like I, I love. I love this episode. Every every part about it is great, and uh, we start off with I think probably the best cold open so far. I mean, I would say usually the first, you know, the pilot cold open, the snot boogie, this America man, like that's a great cold open. But this one. Is fucking fantastic. All right, one, three, motherfuckers. One, two, three. I'm embarrassed for y'all. Herc and Carve, our two dumbest cops, uh, are trying to get a desk either in or out of a room and people keep showing up and keep looking at them and going, you fucking idiots. (laughs) You're just not strong enough. Let me try. They all try to do it. McNulty, Daniels. I love that. It says so much about Daniels that he comes in and he's like, I can help out with this. He takes off his jacket. He's going to roll up his sleeves and get in there. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's gratifying to watch him do that. And then of course, you know, when he realizes what dumbasses they are, he's like, I'm never taking my suit jacket off ever again. Oh, it's so great because you see Freeman looking and you can tell, oh, Freeman knows what's up. (laughs) But of course, he's not going to say anything because why would he say anything? It would ruin how hilarious this is. And also, every time he actually solves crime in the past, they send him to the pawn shop unit. So better to not actually solve a puzzle than to actually do anything at all, than say anything. So he uh, he just watches and then you you realize that uh, when when Herc says, at this rate, we're never going to get it in. Well, at this rate, we're never going to get it in. What? In. Unbelievable. Unbe-fucking-leavable. You see, one side was pushing, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and the other side was also pushing when they should have been pulling. So my question, so he was, he, why did he want to get the desk in? Like, he was going to sit at a desk? That doesn't, that doesn't seem like a Herc thing to do. Why does he want the desk in there? But that's the thing. Nobody knows. Yeah, this is the art. This is the fucking art of it, guys. That's right. This is the entire show. The whole show is represented in this one scene. I agree completely. It really is, though. It's about lack of communication between people based on either ego or based on the fact that just like regular police competitiveness Mm -hmm. like it is the entire show all in wrapped up in one scene the the actual good detective not doing the job because that to do the job is just 
not worth it in in this system it's like it's perfect it's the perfect yeah. scene when everyone McNulty, thinks they're smarter than the next person when mcnulty comes in he's like in you're trying to get it in yeah <laughs> and he's like oh no you want to get it out basically is what he's saying yeah and that's what mcnulty does every time for five mm-hmm. seasons that's you right know, why are you guys doing this when you should be doing this mm. right and i yeah. totally blow up every fucking thing you're trying to accomplish because i know better than you yeah yeah he's such that, a turd yeah he's a real piece of shit but you know what he's I like good him. natural police. i mean i no like police. i assume everybody identifies with uh mcnulty in that way like i feel like that's oh, yeah. was me at every uh job where like i couldn't help myself from being like no you guys should do this because uh this is the good way like not mm-hmm. realizing that nobody actually wants to like accomplishing no things is not the, the point. Yeah. Thanks for trying to get us to do more work, asshole. Yeah, stupid. People just want to sit and collect a paycheck, and that includes the people who are in charge of figuring out who does murders. Um, good to know. <laughs> but this episode has, I think, a lot of uh a lot of interesting storylines. I've kind of split it into um uh a couple. Uh one is the punch and the pit in which we have, this is encapsulating Bodhi's escape, um, uh, Carve and Herc chasing him, and uh, Dee's other body that he, uh, that he got, which was uh, this girl. Um, and then we also, uh, the detail does exhaustion. This is the scenes with Freeman doing good police stuff, Kima McNulty showing their love lives versus their police lives, and then also Bub seeing how the other half lives, and of course, Omar. And, we, you know, our introduction to him. So so let's start off, I think, with the punch and the pit. So we left off the last episode with a failed raid at the pit. Um, not only did uh, they already move the stash house the day before, but the stash house also got hit the day before by Omar. So they raided and they found nothing. Um, and we see Mahone... Uh, getting knocked out by Bodhi and then Bodhi getting his ass kicked. Um, so in this episode, uh, you see that this punch has actually caused Mahone to have an excuse to literally retire with pay. And is thr- because he's thrilled about it. Like he could not be any yes. happier about it. <laughs> because of a medical, you know, it's like, so one of his vertebrae is fractured or something. I mean, Bodhi hit him, but like, damn, how did he hurt his spine is the real question. I, I mean, mean, old man falling on concrete, anything can go yeah. wrong. Lots of bones become fragile at that point. Oh, not me, man. My bones <laughs> stay strong because I drink milk. I mean, he gets so he, you can hear just like the the ecstasy in his voice when he's talking about <laughs> his various ailments, uh, which is oh. great. Like just the, the excitement uh, when he's recounting every single one of his symptoms. Um, and then it gets even better when he's, uh, he's toasting his special occasion that he's going to get to retire with 66% pay. And, right. <laughs> and for his special occasion, uh, he pulls out like the shittiest plastic fifth of hobo vodka <laughs> <laughs> to, to toast this 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 wonderful occasion i think that that to me is my favorite detail in that scene oh i love that detail i also love that daniels is like hey before you like you know put in your papers and stuff maybe like take some time think about it and he's like no 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 see i already got a plan uh my brother-in-law 
runs a video rental store uh-huh. and I'm going to go work there with him. I got a line and- on a business that's going to the stars and that is <laughs> in 2000 video no rest. <laughs> yeah, video <laughs> rental. I got this guy his name's Harvey Netflix. <laughs> He's got this idea to send people fucking movies in the mail. What a fucking jabroni. Yeah, what an idiot. One Everyone thing people knows- are always going to need is videotapes of porn. That's right. Brick and mortar porn stores all around the, the people, county. People love to get recommendations from their neighbors. You yeah, go you in think, and the clerk yeah. says, uh, what are you guys? Are you like fisting? And I say, yeah. of course I do. Do you have yeah. interracial fisting? And he said, come on back. Yeah. I got something just right. If there's one thing that men love, it's going in person <laughs> to a store and behind a bead curtain to look at porn videos. You look rent. like a sophisticated kind of guy. What do you think about, uh, you know, we got a housewife. Maybe she gets stuck in a, her uh, washing <laughs> machine. Underneath the coffee table. Uh, this happens to people every day. Yeah. For the kids, we got the lady stuck in a windowsill, you know? <laughs> she may or may not be your stepmom. Ah, yeah. you, if you, you want it, we can get it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love that he's going to work at a video rental store. It's just like I at the time, I think I don't I think Blockbuster was still around. I mean, I, yeah, there was still video. Oh, yeah, they were absolutely. Around. Yeah, absolutely. I had I had my first DVD player probably in 2001, 2000. Yeah, right. So this is accidentally a really, really funny. A joke. perfect. Yeah, I don't like they had no idea that, that what a joke this was in terms of, you know, what a what a perfect encapsulation of this guy's uh, like investment skills. Right. Just a just a dumb cop who's just like, no, 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 no. I'm going to retire and I have a great plan of a business that will never go under. They're called non-fungible tokens, Tone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then his partner, Polk, is feeling kind of sad. And uh, and they have a great scene together uh, in which uh, Mahone tells him, uh, hey, maybe we could go out together. And I have a clip of that. Have a nice life, Lieutenant. What the fuck am I going to do, Patty? What do you say we go out together? What do you mean? I mean, it only hurts for a minute. I- I'm serious. You know those stairs where they send us down the basement? Yeah. It's dark down there. You go up eight or nine steps, let go of the rail, take a little jump. I'd break my fucking neck like that. You don't break nothing. You do a little dance on those steps. You're up to two-thirds with me. And maybe you sue the city, get a little more. Can't say we don't deserve it. <laughs> they absolutely deserve yeah. it, a, and yeah. not in the way they think. A bit of light fraud never hurt nobody. <laughs> I love it. He's like, I got this great plan for us to both go out on retirement at two thirds pension. What's the plan? You gotta fall down some stairs. <laughs> Maybe yourself. Maybe you yourself. You gotta get just hurt enough to live, but not too unhurt. To not go out on two thirds pay, <laughs> like that is such well, a stupid point. As well, if, <laughs> as if he thought, like, hey, I have this idea. Like, you don't need to, to. This is something I'm sure Polk has considered. He is a drunk who hates his job already. Everyone who's a drunk at work always thinks, all I need to do is fall down some stairs, and I can get at the very least some disability for a little bit. Um, so yeah, I just, I love that so much. Something to point out, something to remember about this show and Mm -hmm. specifically this story right now is this is probably based on something that actually happened. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. David Simon 
uh, heard about this mm-hmm. while he was reporting uh, in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and he put that in the show. Somebody did this. Of course, of and course. And that is so fucked up. It's sad. Oh, I, lo- I love it, man. I mean, here's the thing, though. If you're really committed, though, to being like, I just want out of this job, and you throw yourself down some stairs, whether or not it was an accident or you did it on purpose, that person should just get their two-thirds pay and be yeah. allowed to retire. Yeah, yeah. That's no, what I you believe. Did it. You, you did it. You 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 hurt yourself self fair and square, and you should be rewarded exactly. for it. I mean, listen. You should be rewarded. Yeah. You can't tell me there aren't days when you're you're staring at your your laptop screen and thinking how many how much more scrolling would I have to do to give myself carpal tunnel just enough uh, to be to be able to retire at two thirds pension. If that was an op- if that was mm-hmm. an option for me, you better believe I would be just <laughs> doing even more scrolling. The idea of anyone whose job it is to be on a computer getting any sort of pension is pretty <laughs> funny. Basically, anyone does anyone. No one gets pensions other than teachers and cops and firefighters at this point. Yeah, right? anyone yeah. who has yeah. a union, they get a pension. Yeah, anyone. Yeah. Um, there was a time actually when even non-union jobs, like IBM, used to have pensions. Uh, yeah. you know that, but. The all pensions now got you get a four hundred one k four hundred one k which is yeah. you give them money and they invest it for you and they <laughs> so don't they let you t- make more they don't let you money. have the money so that someday the money's still there oh and I, then when you do take the money early there's yeah, a penalty there's a so penalty the government for it. gets some it's such an insane scam that somehow got normalized and it's like I I always think about that like. There had to be a few people at a business at some point, like employees who are like, hey, okay, so we're not doing a pension, but we're doing this other thing. It's called a 401k. There had to be like people going, no, 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 no. That was before you gave us money in retirement. Now you're just taking my money and saying later. (laughs) Yes, yes. But think about the market. It will grow. <laughs> the market will grow your okay, money. Okay, well, I'll put my own money. I could do that myself. And they're like, not tax-free. You but can't. You're I'm just like, yes, stupid. you can. You're stupid, okay? <laughs> Let's con- consider the fact that you're very dumb and you couldn't do this by yourself because oh. of your your ignorance, your lack of knowledge. So what we're no. going to do is we're going to get this little garden of money. We're going to pour water on it every year. We're going to put a little bit more water. Oh, it's your You're water, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I just want to keep in mind, this is your water, and you have to pay for it. But we're going to put it on there. And then maybe if you don't die of mm-hmm. a heart attack or <laughs> depression or whatever, you'll get that. Yeah. Or your kids will get it if they live long enough. I, or I, the <laughs> stock market could crash, <laughs> and then it's all gone. <laughs> They just ride away on a broomstick like, mm, I should never have trusted the financial advisor from which corp LLC. Oh, man. Um, oh, hey, speaking what's of which corp. Hey, speaking of which corp, we uh, have to take a break to do some ads. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. This is the first time that this has ever been done. Ladies and gentlemen. Before we go on, we do have to have this quick word from our sponsors. And by the way, I'm so sorry, but this is, we got babies. This is a podcast of people with babies. We got babies. We got lots of babies and no pensions. Lots of babies, no pensions. Please enjoy these words from our sponsors. Hey, Vince. Hey, Matt. 
As you know, Vince, I love old internet memes. Remember the early internet's obsession with Chuck Norris jokes? I do remember that. Here's one. When Chuck Norris went to college, he told his father, now you're the man of the house. <laughs> why Why do you bring this up? Well, I was thinking about those old memes, and I started thinking, I wonder what Chuck Norris is doing right now. What has he been up to? You know, I actually know the answer to that, Matt. Yeah, I recently saw a health video he made, and I was surprised. He's in his 80s, and he still seems to have energy and health. You know, I saw the very same video, Vince, and in it, he says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. That's almost too powerful to contemplate, but yes. uh, it's true. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. Uh, his wife made the same change, and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and has energy all day. Uh, I am way younger than them, and I have energy for about two hours a day. Uh, and the problem is, is, you know, that many of us do not include fruits and vegetables and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. I love special videos, and you can watch it too by going to mymorningkick.com slash podyourself, and it may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's M-Y-M-O-R-N-I-N-G-K-I-C-K.com slash podyourself, mymorningkick.com slash podyourself. Go there now and watch this very special Chuck Norris video. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Okay, we're back. Oh, moving on. Let's talk about what happens after the whole uh, Mahone and Poke thing. So we see Bodie waking up after getting brutalized by Kima and Carve and basically every cop who was there at the pit that day. He's uh, He wakes up in a uh, juvenile detention facility um, and uh, he's, you know, looks around. He did around. throw the first punch, to be fair. Yeah, no, I mean, I get why the cops did yeah. it, because cops do that. If you hit uh, a cop, no, I think that's cops an acceptable, turn into a gang. Yeah, a gang. I think that's an acceptable beatdown, personally. No, I don't think so. I don't think, I think in general, the like the job of the cop is not to do Listen, uh, in an ideal gang world, style beatdowns on anyone. In an ideal world, but you know what? Like, that's just the rule of life. If we throw a, if you throw a punch at someone and you might, you might get beat down afterwards. That's oh, just, for sure. That's just I, the... I, yeah, no, I mean, everyone who's in the gang life is like, yeah, no, that's normal. Yeah. Like for sure. They're like, no, I know the rules, <laughs> but <laughs> what I'm saying is, uh, that should be against the rules, in my opinion. Sure. Well, he yeah. should get 66% pension after that. 100%. See, I agree with that. D- that does Avon get- Barksdale do a, a pension? I think so. He definitely yeah, very does. generous with his pension. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they've got... That's the thing about the Barksdale organization. Uh, strong union. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he wakes up. He looks like trash. Um, and he asks if there's anyone from Westside over there. And it's all DC boys, which I assume is, like scary um for i think no i think what they're doing here i mean to explain the art in this uh mm. i think what they're doing here is like the traditional view of these like gang kids on the corners that they're like tough guys and they're not, they're not scared of anything but like the which is partly true but like the flip side is that they're extremely provincial and you see this like throughout the show like these guys they know their own neighborhood and literally nothing else so of course they're like terrified of the idea of being outside of their neighborhood. Cause like, that's yeah. the one thing that they know really well. Um, True. And so here he yeah. is like with a bunch of DC boys, which yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want to be. N- none of them look scary though. They just happen to be from a bigger city. Yeah. Yeah. They're from a big, bigger city. And um, you know, they're just like young, sad boys in a juvenile detention facility. But I think for him, he's like, Oh, if I don't know anybody here, then I'm a target. Because yeah. if these guys all know each other and I'm a stranger, um, then I'm probably in trouble. So he 
escapes Boys Village, the juvie facility, by um, just grabbing a bucket and a mop. I like that because it's like you think the mop is going to uh, be incorporated into some sort of clever scheme, but he just sort of like walks five feet to the left and then looks around and he's like, and walks out an open door. The mop did not need to be there. No, 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 it didn't. No one was was paying attention to him at all. No, he could have just walked. You realize that as you're like, he's walking out and no one gives him a, like, the... It was a just-in-case type thing, you know, but he was like, no, he could have just walked out, apparently. Yeah, it's um, sort of like the most boring version of the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, <laughs> which which I love. I love the idea that, you know, he's... Here, Tim Robbins, take this, take this mop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> that day, Andy Dufresne pretended to be a janitor, <laughs> and he escaped Shawshank. It was real easy. I don't know what those two <laughs> French ladies were singing about. Could have been mops. Some say it was. I don't know why yeah. I did Morgan Freeman as like a 30s radio announcer, but yeah, I did. Well, well we're it's trying better to do it a black voice, okay? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, we've Thank decided you. if we're going to do a black voice, we're instead going to do some sort of like Cajun alligator voice. That's <laughs> we've, what we've decided. Or at least that's what I'm doing. So as you know, like Bodhi is kind of the character who's like the smart ass pawn. You know, he was like, he's the one who... Who coined that phrase? And I love that his version of being a smart ass pawn is just grabbing a bucket and a mop. I mean, and walking. was pretty smart in retrospect. He got out of there. No, it worked. He the is question, a smart ass pawn. The question about that I have is like, <clears throat> he escaped from a juvenile detention facility, uh, but like, if you're the cop assigned with trying to figure out where Bodie is, it's got to be pretty easy. Like he goes to the pit. That's where he works. Like, you know where he works. You could just show up there the next day. That's true. You do know where his job is. Or you go to his mom's house or something. Yeah. Well, right. So, um, first Herc and Carve do go up to, uh, yeah, that's another great commentary. Like Herc and Carve shit. Like they've, they've been staking out his workplace for like the last, two weeks like they should know exactly where to find him but they are you know it's like when you put a beaver uh anywhere he's gonna make a dam because that's just what beavers do like what cops do is they they look on the sheet and they're like last known address you got to go there even though it makes no sense in this context they're not smart they're bad they're bad he's a teen boy he's home doing his homework right exactly yeah Yeah. exactly no he's stealing drugs on the streets (laughs) yeah they they check the school and then they check the library um (laughs) we went down to the malt shop and he wasn't there yeah, they go to his mom's house, uh, yeah. and they have this sort of moment where they're like banging on the door, like "open the fucking door," you know. And they go yeah. upstairs and they're talking shit on the house. It's really unnecessarily mean to Bodie's grandma and her uh, her like yeah. house making skills. And then um, Herc has like this moment of reflection with Bodie's mom. I'm sorry for cursing me at the door. I mean. Um... I couldn't see that it was only you. Would you like to sit down? Preston came to me when my daughter died. He was four years old. No, I'm sorry, man. And I'm sorry for the way we came through here. If Preston comes past, give him this and uh, tell him we need to talk. Okay. It's sort of like in Schindler's List when Ray Fiennes has that uh, that interlude. I pardon you. Yeah. Yeah. This is like this is Herc's "I pardon you" uh, sequence. Yes. The one thing that I, I I don't know why, and maybe I've just like created this in my mind, but like mm-hmm. 
after Hurt gives Grandma his card and leaves, like that's all there is. Like in my mind, like I'm filling in this part where she like looks at the card and just like tosses it over her shoulder because obviously she's not gonna call fucking Hurt. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have that moment. I don't know if it was just implied with a single look and then i sort of uh, filled in the blanks in my mind or it's called art dude yeah. yeah it's called art first of all but also there's well there's a lot of like inferences that i think would be made um uh, that were made at least by me when i initially watched the show and again if this were another show i actually do think they would have shown her throwing it out and if this were another show this would be the moment where Herc starts changing yeah, and yeah. learning that in order to do really good police work, you do have to get to know the neighborhood. You got to know the hood that you work in and you have to be friends or at the very least, you have to be acquainted with mm-hmm. the people who you're going to someday hope to get information from. But that's not at all what happens. He accidentally does good police work in this one instance and then goes right back to being a shitty cop for the rest of the series. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's that to me that's what makes the show amazing is he learns nothing from this. He just at one point decides, well, I kind of feel bad for yeah. like busting into a little old lady's house. He has a moment just he has a moment swearing. where he could have learned to be better, but he didn't because people usually don't. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that that's an important thing to know. Um, meanwhile, back at the pit where Bodie obviously would be, um, he shows back <laughs> up and he's like bragging about escaping boys village. And, you know, he's, he's, he's saying, you know, it's just like, well, sir, I, I escaped boys village. Yeah. You know, cause that's mm-hmm. a, maybe I won't do the what alligator voice. Willem Dafoe from wild at heart. I just don't want to do a black sense. How about just do your normal voice? (laughs) No, it has to be a voice. Don't be silly. It's got to be a bit. He's a voice comic. Leave him alone. Yeah. Yeah. So he shows up. He's like, oh, I love love. I'm back from Boys Village, yeah? I'm around. And um, he's like, he's bragging. um, He's bragging. And and D, uh, being Mm -hmm. a shitty boss, cannot congratulate one of his underlings for, uh, you know, successfully escaping juvenile hall and coming back to work. Like, that's what a good manager, I feel like, would do in this Mm -hmm. situation. But instead, uh, D just takes this opportunity to kind of big time him, which... Well, he's bragging. There's a lot of, like, braggadocio and saying, man, that boy's village can't hold me. Man, boy's village ain't shit. It can't hold me. What you laughing at? What's so funny? You was me, your ass still be down there. You ever seen a city jail, nigga? You ever caught a body? Yeah, you got the one. Yeah, the one you know about. Man, y'all little motherfuckers need to ask around. It's uh, like, it's a village. <laughs> it's not yeah, a uh, jail. <laughs> yeah, it's not man's village. Um, I think he starts big-timing him because he's saying, like, Bodie just says, well, your ass would still be there if you if it had been you mm. and then at that point he feels threatened and uh, that's when he tells the story so there was this little shorty who used to stay out there this was a shorty my uncle was messing with so you know they was going on at it for a little while till she find out that my uncle got another little shorty ran away so she goes off the hook and shit talking about she gonna call the police start talking about shit she ain't supposed to know about oh shit yeah you know it so they rolled me out past her crib so i pulled out the piece I start tapping with the back of it on the window. Tap, tap, tap. That's what she heard, yo. Sure enough, she comes out. She's naked and shit. I don't know why the fuck, but she turns on the light. And you know, when she does that, 
And it's light on the inside, she can't see shit on the outside. Dang. She naked. <laughs> That's the important thing to remember. I really love, I love everything. That everything Poot says in the scene is so horny, and I love him. I, I mean, he's, if you're 14 mm. and hearing that story, or 15 or whatever Poot is, like that's the part yeah. you're going to focus on. You're like, I don't know what you just said, but you said someone was naked, and that's what I'm yeah, picturing. Yes. It's just like this horrifying story about about murdering a woman in cold blood who is wearing a robe and is naked under it. Tap, tap, tap is the sound of Poot's boner against the window. <laughs> tap, tap, uh, tap. We also find out that uh, D has a lot of creep to him, and that's why Avon picked him for doing this crime. Yeah, certainly has nothing to do with uh, you know them being related or anything. Um, but uh, it, it just the scene ends with this great line. Yo, D, if she was all that, why didn't you fuck her first? Nigga, you sick. Just shut up. What? Don't, don't talk. I'm just saying. Seriously wrong. <laughs> just <love. laughs> the little conversation they have. Wallace is like, "Why are you disgusting? Why are you like this? Can't you just hear a story and have empathy and not immediately get horny for a naked lady?" But you gotta, you gotta give it to Poot. He, uh, he has priorities. Hey. Um, if, so if, if you can uh, dehumanize a person to kill them, you can dehumanize them to fuck them too. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's all, you know, it's all a spectrum of dehumanization and violence. Um, but yeah, so uh, this murder, this very specific murder that D is talking about actually ends up being the murder that is looked into uh, by Bunk and McNulty later. So um, earlier in the episode, Jay tells Jimmy that there's a file uh, on an open murder and there's a D in the file, meaning like there's uh, a witness who puts someone named D uh, at the scene or around the scene Which or is the last person. make a ton of sense because like if D just showed up outside her window... How would mm-hmm. they know? How would any of her friends know who the hell D is? Well, D D was over was the last person that she saw. They like the last person that friends saw her with. Mm. So feels they, like a stretch, they know, but I get it. it. Well, the whole thing is a stretch. Huge stretch. And, and at this point, it's clear that like Jay Landsman um, is just doing this. I think because he's like, while you guys are doing this bullshit detail, I have this open murder, and I need someone to check it out and hey there's a little bit of a hey maybe there's a connection he's trying to basically fit, uh, shoehorn one of his open uh cases into this bullshit detail um and he doesn't know that actually he ends up being accidentally correct um and jay has a very interesting kind of like storyline in this in which like his his main purpose in this episode seems to be to defend jimmy mcnulty um, to Rawls, and he has that great fucking scene. He's somehow a bad boss and a really good boss at the same time. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's it's, recognizing it's, he's recognizing the strengths of Jimmy McNulty, even though McNulty's clearly like sort of an asshole. But he's also guys. sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I I just I I have to disagree with you guys. Oh, okay. I, the the idea that Jay likes McNulty is false, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. completely false. Oh, I agree with All that. All he wants 
Mm -hmm. is for McNulty to not be on the detail anymore so he can clear the cases off the board. Right, but that still involves him recognizing the talent of an underling. Like, he doesn't necessarily like him, but he does, like, Mm -hmm. recognize that that McNulty's really good at certain things, which is a lot for a boss. I feel like a, you know... Yeah, I think a boss will do their best to deny any of their underlings are good at anything, especially the cops. So I give him credit for knowing that Jimmy is good, but not credit enough to be like, he doesn't care about like general police work. Oh like, no, he's doing he, it for entirely selfish reasons. Yeah, he's doing he, it to, for the stats. He yeah. wants to get more clearances. Yeah, that's all he cares about. And yes. so he does this elaborate fucking monologue in front of, what's his face? Uh, Rawls. Rawls. Yeah. Last night, I'm at home, I'm sitting up buck naked, and I I got one hand wrapped around a cold domestic beer, and the other wrapped around my magnificent flaccid four and one half inch wonder, and I am (laughs) trying with all my might to remember what Layla Kaufman's nipples looked like when her bathing top slipped off at the Hillendale Pool swim party. (laughs) When all of a fucking sudden, out of fucking nowhere, fucking detective fucking Jimmy McNulty pops into my head i was jacking off yeah (laughs) here's the thing to my boss i'm gonna tell him that i was jacking off because i think he'll find it funny that i was drinking a beer and masturbating at the same time and thinking about a child essentially (laughs) Uh, have a fantasy about this girl from high school who is a minor anyway (laughs) you know what ruined that beautiful moment Jimmy McNulty. Yeah. yeah. I love that this. Cock, that cock tease. Son yeah. of a bitch. I love this character because it's like the least, easily the least believable character in the show, which is basically most, like, what if the, the most, most David Simon character, what if the most theaters e theater kid became yes. a, like the head of the homicide uh, squad in the Baltimore yes. police department, which is just a wild thought. And that, and Delaney, whatever his name is, Delaney, uh, Delaney Williams is such a goddamn good actor that he mm-hmm. pulls off David Simon's most theatrical monologues consistently. Yeah, it's filled with David Simonisms, like just the way he describes jacking off, the way he fucking describes what he's masturbating to. The mm-hmm. first and last name of the minor he's remembering, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and then like it just... as if Rawls did they go to the same school? Do they know this little <laughs> Jewish girl? <Yeah. laughs> Rawls is just like entertaining this disgusting story yeah. about <laughs> this slovenly man <laughs> masturbating afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and there's only one point where he, he when he recognizes that this is uh, inappropriate, he says, uh, "Where are you going with this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's at least curious enough to know how it ends right i mean he, uh, he, start, he only asked that when he realizes that this was all just a an elaborate wind up for a defensive jimmy mcnulty that's when he's really mm-hmm. offended yeah. mcnulty first of all it's not jimmy's fault no no jimmy is an addict sir what's he addicted to himself <laughs> the guy he has come to believe that he is always the smartest fuck in the room <laughs> christ it must have been months even. He was the smartest fuck in the fucking room. What's your point, Jay? My point is, he can't help it. It makes him an asshole. I know, but it's also what makes him good police. There's also like a meta level to this scene because this is 
all of this entire like monologue is is David Simon's observations about the real uh, detective landsman that he like worked with mm-hmm. in the homicide. Like this was his entire take on this uh, homicide detective, which is that you know he's driven by trying to prove that he's always the smartest person in the room, and he's like put that in the mo- in the mouth of a character that he's named after that guy. Uh, mm, and, and is using it to describe like his other creation, McNulty, which is, I don't know. It's, it's very transparent in the way that it's constructed and, uh, but it's just so beautifully written and acted that yeah. it totally works. It's a, it's a level of, I think of, I don't know, character, uh, I guess you would call it exposition um, that I think on most shows I would find, like if it wasn't pulled off correctly, it would be, very annoying mm-hmm. it would be like listen this is a cop he's hard-boiled but he's doing his damn best yeah he's a drug like yeah. any other show again would d- would fuck this up but instead yeah. it just ends up being i mean the wind-up is necessary i needed to hear him talk about jacking off to uh an imaginary to a child from his youth you know yeah it, like it it's so i mean it's it's so unabashedly like novelistic the way it's written but i think mm-hmm. because Um, He has that character embrace it and sort of uh, he's almost doing like this self parody uh, in the scene. Mm -hmm. Like he knows he's being annoying and he's doing it deliberately that uh, it's easier to buy in somehow. I think he's also trying to to be uh, chummy Mm -hmm. with Rawls a little bit where it's like, all right, you know, I know I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing that is going to be annoying because you don't want to hear about McNulty, but I desperately need him back so that he can clear cases for me because I'm lazy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in and I'm going to tell you a story like we're at the bar and we're hanging out. Right. Yes. And that's cool, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. what we talk about at the bar. We'll have shots of whiskey and then we'll talk about various uh, pathetic moments in our sad little (laughs) lives. Everybody will laugh. I love the idea of like cops being that real with each other where not only are they talking about masturbating, but he's talking about barely being able to get it up and not yeah. actually almost he said close to being engorged yeah, yeah. My, my massive four inch cop yeah. Yeah. and i think uh going back to entourage this is why i never liked entourage because entourage was mm. supposed to be this sort of warts and all depiction of male friendship but right. they never once got like gross with each other it's always like right. one person would give maybe like a tiny crumb of this monologue and then the other characters in the scene would be like oh gross bro and it's yeah, like in yeah, real yeah. life no he would go for it just the, with the same way that landsman yeah. did yeah i yeah. can imagine jay going into rawls's office and being like so, boss, here's what cum tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> Describing in great detail the flavor and consistency yeah. of a man's ejaculate. <laughs> oh. Meanwhile, you couldn't imagine, like, Turtle going into Rawls' office. Johnny Drama. Just being, oh, Johnny never, Drama going never in. Never tasted cum like that before, let me tell you. Here's the thing, video. I'm not gay <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I'm not I gay. I mean, we've right? all tried a little bit of cum, am I right or am I right? Hey. Not for nothing. I saw, <laughs> saw the print, I saw the outline in his sweatpants, and I got to tell you, my, my mouth watered a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, great sweatpants. You know, you know what they do to a man's cock. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Oh, anyways, the wonderful thing is that this scene ends with Rawls being like, "All right, you've convinced me. 
tell him to wrap up that bullshit detail, which is like, if you're following the show, you're like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he need to be on the detail. That's why I'm, when's a wire going to happen? He calls them um, natural police, which I feel like, you know, whatever job you do, if one of your, if your boss calls you natural, whatever the, your job version of natural police is, you're going to take that as such a high compliment that uh, yeah. you'd probably, uh, you'd feel okay doing a shit job for a little longer. Yeah. Well, or you end up being stuck in that job forever because you're too good at it. Yeah. yeah. That's well, the thing. Of it's course. Like Jay being the middle manager and Rawls being the, like, <clears throat> the top guy, essentially. In no, the it's... It's the old Oscar thing where, you know, exactly. Louis B. Mayer figured out that, you know, you just pin enough uh, baubles and, and trinkets on them and they'll k- keep working for your non-union right. shit wages. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But uh, speaking of natural police, um, so the scene after uh, this uh, wraps up the entire, you know, tap, 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 fuck, fuck, fuck. The whole punch in the pit storyline is, of course, the great fuck, fuck, fuck scene. Um, and we've already discussed that legendary scene. Um but at the beginning of that scene, um, Bunk is actually explaining to McNulty that Lester is also natural police. Uh, and I think that leads us into um, the rest of this episode. The detail does exhaustion. Exhaustion is one of the prerequisites to getting um, a wire or getting um, a clone of a pager. You basically need to show to a judge that you have tried every other thing possible in order to, you know, get gather information on a case and nothing has worked. So then they can sign off on it. And uh, we start off with Kima and McNulty. They're at the court. Um, trying to convince a convict, one of the guys who got caught in the buy bust uh, thing, the raid earlier, um, trying to convince him to flip. And uh, he basically would rather take the years than flip on Avon Barksdale. And I have a, I have a clip of that. Tell us some stories. Might could be somebody else's turn. Stories. Avon Barksdale. <laughs> know the name? Every motherfucker up in them towers know the name. What's your name, man? All right, I'll take the years. He would rather take the years than flip on any any of the people in his crew um, because he's not stupid. And <laughs> yeah. getting people to flip seems to be what uh, everyone thinks they're going to do correctly. When Herc and Carve are going up to uh, Boys, uh, Boys Town or Boys Village to uh, pick up Bodie, Carve has this entire fantasy of how he's gonna get Bodhi to flip. Uh, imagine we jack him up, toss him into a small room, and tell him that Detective Mahone is near dead from the sucker punch. It's like, no shit. Drunk old fuck suddenly slipped into a coma. And we've been ordered to come down here, rip off his scrotum, put it in a jar, and drive it back to Baltimore so it can sit with the fucking bowling trophies behind the bar at the FOP Lodge. <laughs> All right? After which, Fuck nuts. Stops whimpering long enough to just start giving people up. Whoever. Little prick turns on everybody. And we break the case wide open. Cool. Cool. Which I just love. Tell me about the rabbits, Carve. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um... So, yeah, so Kima and Bubs later on, uh, they're creeping around. And um, Bubs is telling Kima about Omar. 
um, Omar and how he's related to a, a, a guy named No Heart Anthony. Um, and No Heart Anthony is someone that uh, Kima's never heard of, and McNulty ends up knowing everything about. You ever heard of No Heart Anthony? Who, Anthony Little? 1058 Argyle Apartment 16J. He's up in Hagerstown on a robbery bit. What about him? My man. <laughs> Fuck you. The, the relationship between Kima and McNulty in this episode I find kind of interesting because you see kind of like McNulty, it, his love life is fucked up. Is like he's divorced. His wife hates him. He hates his his wife. Um, shit, shit is going bad. But he's really good police. Like he knows everything about the neighborhood that he polices in. He knows not only who No Hard Anthony is, but he knows his fucking home address and where he's currently in prison. Meanwhile, Kima doesn't know any of the things about the people that she polices on a daily basis. But she has this home life that is like loving. She has this loving wife. And uh, she's studying for the bar or something like that. And, uh, you know, you see that she is like, you're not sure who wants whose life in, in, this, uh, in this case. Like, does Kima want to be McNulty? Does McNulty want to be Kima? Yeah, there's a little envy going both ways. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's, uh, I like seeing McNulty actually being the smartest one in the room. But Especially uh, when yeah. you can tell that, like, the... Reason he knows no heart Anthony's home address and where he's at in prison is because that's filling brain space where like his child's birthday and his is like his uh, anniversaries should yeah. should probably go. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's uh, the dates of various soccer matches of his children, <laughs> when he's supposed to be somewhere, what time the court date is for the separation agreement. But yeah, that's uh, he doesn't have space for that. But he does know exactly where every single person he's put away is currently living, um, and because uh, that's what he cares about. Also, at the end of the, yeah, yeah, that's what he cares about at the end of the day. So yeah, so the, uh, <laughs> McNulty takes Bubbles his snitch to his son's soccer game, and I know mm -hmm. it's like not the point of the scene at all, but I really do like the the slice like you really get a sense of how fucking cold it is at this soccer game because every kid yeah. is playing soccer and they're all wearing like turtlenecks and sweatpants and uh i don't know if that's yeah. just like normal if you grow up on the east coast but watching I, that i'm like god damn that looks terrible they're but playing Bumbles soccer out in the freezing in his, ass in cold. pants yeah he puts his hands in his pants while he's waiting yeah like i yeah. don't think you can do that uh within 50 feet of a child <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially when you got like track marks on your arms and like yeah. Sores on your face. Oh god, poor Bubbles didn't even get a handshake. I know. I felt bad, but also like also though have you been put in that situation before? It is hard to it's hard to be I I've done it where I've like uh, someone who is clearly um homeless and currently uh a you know, IV drug user puts their hand out for a handshake. And I've just been like, oh, God, <laughs> <Because> <laughs> yeah. it is gross yeah. when you shake someone's hand who's like clearly, um, you know, uh, a homeless drug addict. It's, it is a thing. You know, I felt bad. I felt awful for him. Uh, but it was also like, yeah, yeah, that's hard. <laughs> that's hard. To then again, I did shake the hand. So, you know, I'm a good person, but I didn't yeah. want to. So I'm a bad person. <laughs> um, 
but uh, yeah, so Omar, we finally get to see him um, making out with a dude in this episode, um, which is which is really nice. Um, th- there's <laughs> the amazing scene with Omar in this is that Omar and his boyfriend and their their third guy are sitting on the stoop <laughs> counting their money, and uh, <laughs> and Omar at one point like gives some free heroin to like this junkie mother because he's a good guy he's a little bit of like a robin hood of the hood and um he's making out with his with his boyfriend and at one point uh he like puts his hand on the third guy and goes like hey uh you know you you're gonna come hang out or basically invites him over and the guy is visibly uncomfortable with homosexuality (laughs) like he's clearly homophobic but he's also like uh you know i don't know i got a pretty good job here yeah yeah. (laughs) it's like very fun to watch the very subtle expression of disgust from someone who is like ostensibly their business partner (laughs) but yeah uh, i think what you do is gross but i'm also deathly afraid of you yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I I don't want to cross you, and also we seem to be doing pretty all right money wise. You know, that's that's what they say about capitalism is it, is it solves all social issues. Mm-hmm. Makes so far it has yeah. some strange yeah. bedfellows. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Yes. Um. But uh, meanwhile, it, you know, for as subtle as his, you know, the friend is, the third guy is, um, Avon is. Straight up homophobic. And Avon's scene in this episode is fucking fantastic as he's trying to explain what he wants done to Omar. And uh, I have a, a clip. You know how the crack of motherfuckers do when they kill a deer? Or like when they go out killing animals or whatnot? Got them on the front of the truck, tied up, stretched out, so everybody could see it. I want that motherfucker on display. You tell him it's a thousand on the bucks and it's a deuce on Omar. Yeah, Bird's on it. Savino, too. You know, Bird jailed with Omar down the cut, right? He said he all faggot. A faggot? Mm-hmm. Fuck out of here. Said he had a whole stable of boys down in Jessup. This punk motherfucker got even less useful pussy now that he home. So he got a lot of heart for a cocksucker, huh? Yo, 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 yo. We doubling down on Sweet Lips. Sweet Lips is really a great nickname. Yeah, he uh, just tossed that off. like. Yeah. Yeah, is yeah. that what your wife calls you? Man. Yeah, th- that is, but, you know, that's... Between, that's between me and her. my bride. Another interesting aspect of this scene, which is what I, what I focus on every time that I rewatch The Wire, is just that uh, Wood, um, Wood Harris is authentically an athlete in a way that yes. actors basically never are and like that whole scene all i'm staring at is how goddamn big his hands are like he's like casually he palming the ball yeah he casually yes. palms that ball like it's a fucking baseball and yeah. uh yeah and um yeah him you, dunking for real at the end of the season? i'm pretty 100%. sure so yeah. he played basketball at niu um, oh, there it is. And was also a theater major. Uh, his, his older brother's also an actor and was like a football player. His older brother, I, I don't know what I could say that you would remember him from, but he is definitely a face that you would know. He's like the bald cop dude that's in every uh, cop show. But yeah, mm. like all I can mm-hmm. see, all I can mm-hmm. see in that scene is uh, Wood Harris being like authentically uh, a basketball player. And I am, and, and, and I'm always, I'm always curious why he doesn't get, more work um just because Mm -hmm. 
he he fills a, a niche that most actors can't, and he's also a really good actor. There's like a, a handful. Like I, I don't see Andre Royo doing as much as I think I would like to, and he's probably the best actor on the show. Yeah. Can, can I make um, a point? Maybe that uh, it's possible that there are not enough roles in Hollywood for black actors. I don't yeah. think that's it. That could be no. it. I also wonder <laughs> if that's uh, impossible. If Wood there's Harris no is just just too tall. Like you can't have mm, a guy that's like that's six three uh, around most actors because you can tell how tall they actually are. Meanwhile, yeah. James Cromwell is out here being yeah, the only six foot six actor to exist, <laughs> yeah. taking all the tall guy jobs, taking all the old guys. It's bullshit, dude. Um, it's again a part of the verisimilitude of the show. Like they put that know, dunk in that dunk in there had nothing to do with the scene. They just put that in there because they're like, check this dude out. He can actually dunk. And you know what they didn't show? They didn't show Idris Elba yeah. playing at all because <laughs> no. you know no. that that fool yeah. was completely unnatural. He would, well, he, well, he's talk. British. He's like him with a cricket bat. He would kill it. But no, not not with a basketball. Well, let's talk about that for a minute because I have not watched the show in maybe seven, eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more that I've seen Idris Elba in his natural accent. Mm-hmm. the less believable he becomes I know. every time I watch the show. I know. It's an awful accent. He sounds uh, it, horrible. It's 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 crazy because like the you know, the first few times I watched the show, I was like, Oh, he's one he's one of my favorite characters. He's one of the best actors on the show. And I actually still believe he's one of the best actors on the show without being able to master the accent. But now that I've gotten a taste for what a Baltimore accent would sound like, or at least a regionally East Coast accent, you realize Idris Elba is doing a generic black gangster accent, and it kind of it it paints the performance a little bit also, as like, oh, yeah. that's kind of it's not as good. I also it's the one thing that takes you out of the show. I also yeah. like, think oh, that, he's yeah. not it. He's not it. He's not doing it right. I also yeah. think his accent, his American accent, got worse after the show. I think mm-hmm. that might be part of it. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, but here's the thing. This is the show that made him a star. Yeah. And so I, he's he is, I think, objectively great as Stringer Bell. It's such a fucking great, great written character, and he acts great. And the accents on this show, I think, are just kind of all over the place when it comes to both McNulty and Stringer. It's They are, and also fucking Carcetti. When Littlefinger shows up in season three, and is like, you have, like, I watched that originally. I was like, oh, that's amazing. And now I watch it and I go like, what accent is he doing? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And I think it almost benefits the show a little bit to have a lot of British actors who are not good at accents because of the fact that it made me, as someone watching it, going like, maybe people just talk weird mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Well, they do. And, and exactly. So just not, not weird really in wrong. that way, yeah. Right. It works. Um, so just to round out the episode, um, basically, Burrell tries to get everything shut down with those by bus, and the judge says, nah, fuck yourself. You got to keep going. Then the judge calls McNulty, and he brags to McNulty that he told Burrell to keep working the case, which McNulty kind of just is like, okay. And like He takes it weird. There's something about McNulty not being able to say thank you that starts pissing me off. <laughs> well, because he can't series. say thank you because like the judge is... He thinks he's helping McNulty, but he's he's really just fucking his shit up more. 
Right. He's 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 hurting McNulty's career prospects. He knows that he's tanking his career. Um, you know, Burrell is going to take revenge, or Rawls is. Um, meanwhile, uh, we get to the big scene with um, Kima and McNulty and Freeman all team up together to try to convince Daniels to get a fucking pager clone. And uh, this is the first time we actually see what the fuck Freeman has been doing the last couple of episodes. Um, it turns out that Freeman was able to get a phone number for a pager uh, for D specifically, for D'Angelo Barksdale. He calls it earlier in a scene, and then he, he sees that, yes, he got the right pager number. We got most of the exhaustion. I'm exhausted. Just listen to this shit. Good. Exhaustion is a legal requirement for using electronic intercepts. See, we try to show a judge we can't make the case by following these guys, and we can't. How can we keep on any of them when they go up in those towers? But you gotta show you try. Do we have a pager number? This is written on the stash house wall with the letter D next to it. Is that D'Angelo? Did you check it? It's him. Amazing you other dumb fucks missed that. So he takes him out for a drink, and we finally learn Freeman's story. Freeman used to be a good cop, but he's been in the pawn shop unit for 13 years and four months. How long have you been in the pawn shop unit? 13 years and four months. 13 years? And four months. Why'd you ask out of homicide? Well, no ask about it. You got the boot? Uh-huh. What'd you do to piss him off? Police work. I think I need to buy you a drink. Just one. And the reason that he was in the pawn shop unit is because he basically didn't listen to what his superior officer said and didn't let uh, a particular suspect go, I believe. There was a... Uh... Yeah. Turned out he was the son of one of the big editors over the News America. The deputy, who I guess is in a favor-doing mood, sends word down to the major, I'm supposed to make the case without defense. So he's doing this for what? Have some newspaper guy in his pocket? Yeah, I guess so. So what did you do? What do you think I did? I charged him with receiving, then had his ass testify. Well, you could have made the case without him, just on the prints and the statements. Probably. Yep. Why didn't you? Why? Why are you fucking up yourself chasing Avon Barksdale? For the same reason, because fuck the bosses, is what I assume. And I think it's just that both of them are just stubborn enough and just smart enough to um, to be like, if I don't let this case play out the way I want it to play out, then no one will know that I was really, really smart. And um, I will sacrifice my career in order to show people that I don't give a fuck about the editor of some newspaper. Yeah. Like oppositional defiance disorder. Yes. Well, that's why some people get into policing in the first place. Yeah, it's true. It's because now they have power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, in their cases, they're using their power less to just be bullies of people below them and more so to be bullies for people above them. They're punching up. Which, <laughs> yeah, like a good comic would. Like right? all good <laughs> comics do. Always punch up. Always punch at power. I mean, that is essentially what they do. But that's they what also Bodie did too. That's right. Mm -hmm. Bodie was also punching up. That's they what Marlo Stanfield did too. 
That's right. That is true. Always punching up, you know. Always punching up. Yvonne was up here and he went wham and took his shit. Yeah, exactly, dude. Punch up. That's the lesson from Pod Yourself, The Wire. Um, And then in the final scene, McNulty visits Kima, uh, Kima's home while he's drunk as fuck. And he wants to thank Kima, but also I think he wants to fuck. I think he, I think he thinks. I don't think he knows the difference between those two. I don't think he knows either. I think you're right. Does I think he you're not right. know that she is in a committed same-sex relationship? I mean, he, he knows. knows that she's gay, yep. but he also knows that he is hot. Yeah. Okay, so you think that he believes that he can make her not gay? Yeah. I think I think he doesn't know the difference between uh, gratitude towards a woman and wanting to fuck. I don't oh, know. Yes. He's, yeah. he's dumb. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. He dumb. No, he's he's not dumb. He's just Irish. The Irish <laughs> <laughs> genetically. I love the casual racism against Irish people on the show. We start with redheads and just burying the fuck out of them. And I was like, oh, you know what Irish people do, love to do? Drink. Uh, you know, and then I, get into fights, and, and then also they don't know uh, how sex works. They don't know exactly. how to not commit adultery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't know how to not make Jesus cry. Good um, lord! Good lord! You got to, you've got to convert the lesbians let's, by having sex with them. Let's throw another shrimp on the Barbie. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say over there. I'm an alligator from the south. You call that a knife? This is a knife. <laughs> Oh, get in the chopper. <laughs> All right. Well, that is how the episode ends. Um, and it's a great episode. Uh, do we have a favorite scene, least favorite scene, or a scene that I forgot to cover? Vince? Uh, I mean, I loved almost every scene. The, the one thing that I didn't like is, uh, and this is just a consistent problem, is I can't figure out what the hell accent Polk is trying to do. He seems like he's trying to be Irish sometimes and then other yeah. times not, and I'm confused by it. It, it it is like he is doing an Irish accent, which I think is strange. Oh, Patrick, it'd also... be so great if we could be retired yeah. together. What am I gonna I'd do break now, my Patrick? Neck? Yeah. yeah, I'll break my fucking neck during that. Yeah, I I don't understand why he has that accent, but because they mean... didn't know what the fuck to do or how to figure out how a, ba- a Baltimore accent sounds. I think yeah. you're right. Baltimore That's 100% accents it. are unintelligible. That <laughs> <and> Pittsburgh <laughs> yeah. accents are like not English. Right. And so it's you so, can't do them for real on TV. Right. They're so specific that no one can really mimic it. And so therefore everyone's just like, go buck wild. Everyone do a weird one. Yeah. Which I think yeah. it ends up working well for the show. It's like in um, a Roman uh, movie or TV show. And it's like, what did Roman people sound like? I don't know. British, British people. <laughs> what the f- who fucking cares, right? I do love that when they're just like... Uh, you know, who, so who, we need people to sound, uh, you know, like imperial. Well, let's do British. And it's yeah. like, come on, let's be real. Oh, they yeah. would have an American accent. <laughs> <laughs> they sound just like Tom Cruise. They would, exactly. Uh, D- uh, Dave, do you have a, a favorite scene, least favorite scene, or a scene we did not talk about? I mean, I just love Jay talking about jacking off. Uh, mm-hmm. For him to go into his boss's office and talk about cranking his hog while yeah. he's drinking a beer on the other hand. I don't know if you guys have ever tried that before. Mm. It's a I've lot harder than it. it sounds. Yeah. It sounds difficult. I yeah. feel like it's like trying to pat yourself on the head and <laughs> rub, rub your, your tummy belly. at the same time and then switch. <laughs> you just start trying you start to drink jacking your dick. off the beer. <laughs> and trying to drink your dick. Um <laughs> So stupid. So um, if I had to grade this episode, 
I'd probably give it a solid B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode? The solidest B plus. Okay, uh, Dave Schilling, what would you give this I'm episode? If you, I'm gonna go A minus. I think it's actually a really, really stellar episode of The Wire. I think it's one of the best episodes of TV that they ever did, just in terms of like making it accessible. Yeah. Um, it's the first season, and it's the first episode that really feels like the show. So, solid B plus episode of The Wire, and a solid A plus episode of Pod Yourself The Wire. Dave Schilling, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I can't wait to come back for season two. I can't wait as well. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about the docs. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? At Dave underscore Schilling is my Twitter handle. Yes. And that's it. And what about did you Instagram? You want? Yeah, to <laughs> right. My Instagram is at DW Schilling. If you really want to see photos of my clothes. I think some mean, people do. Some people do. It's fine. You've That's got great fashion sense. I know. I know. Well, check him out on all of the platforms and follow him. Dave, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you're welcome. Patreon.com slash broadcast for all of the bonus episodes. Also, the $8 tier. Hi, Sammy. <laughs> also, the $8 tier will get you a shout out on Pod Yourself the Wire. Vince, it is time we are now live up and running and people have sent in their $8 patron um, fucking subscription. Yeah. So I have some names. Of course, oh, we're not going to get okay. to all of them. We're not going to get to all of them this week, um, but y your name will be read out. Um, we promise you. But, uh, you know, <laughs> right now Vince is wrestling with a baby. There's no way we're going to get through all of them. So, Vince, <laughs> gangster names. Okay. First, okay. Joshua Westlund. Oh, we call this guy the, the Iron Lund. I love it. That's yeah. good. Because um, he's uh, he's always you know he's he he's always using his inhaler. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got asthma pretty bad. Yeah, Iron Lund. Yeah. He lives in Iron Lund. I like it. And also, feel free to uh, consider like rap names like that start with Lil or Young. Mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so next we have Kyle uh, S. Bolini. Oh, we call this guy. We call we call this guy Red Sauce. Okay. All right. <laughs> No, it's a gangster. I'm not fine. Fine. Look, uh, yeah. you don't think he's gonna get nicknamed Red Sauce in the hood? You don't know nothing about the hood. That's true. Yeah, is he Bellini? So I, I, I appreciate it. Um, next, uh, Howard Webster. Uh, we call this guy. We call this uh, young dictionary. We call this guy Lil Man. Lil Man. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would call a guy named Webster. Because yeah. You call, know, uh, like mm -hmm. the, the TV show with Webster on it. He was little. Uh, okay, I like it. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Now I do get it. All yep, right. Yep, yep, Next, yep. AJ Guzman. Mm, the Goose. All right. You don't want to go with like Lil Goose, Young Goose, try to mix it up a but little why bit. You, like why are you micromanaging my nicknames? Over you're here? right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. No one said Lil Stinkum or like Young Weebay. That's just what their nicknames were, you know? That's true. You're not wrong. I'm going to shut up. Kyle Herman. Uh, uh, we call this guy Lil Herm. <laughs> now you're doing okay. <laughs> Next, Greg Miller. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, hold up. We call this guy G Mill. Okay, very good. Mm -hmm. That's Next. creative. He's never heard that before. I mean, maybe not. Next, Dominic Frezza. Fresno. <laughs> All right, Fresno. Hell yeah. Um, L Luis Cardenas. Cardenas. 
I don't think it's Cardenas, dude. That's not how you pronounce pronounce that one. Well, I'm I I reprint is it Cardenas? Yeah, we, yeah. We we call that guy Motor City. Okay, love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, next is Justin. Oh, I, I I remember this guy. I always have to have trouble with his name. Very Chachoni on you. Um. Uh. Yeah. We call that guy Penthouse because he reminds me of Bob Guccione. Okay, I love it. Yeah. Uh, four more left. Andrew Streeter. Um. Um. Hold up. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. We call this guy Elm Street because he's a nightmare to work with. Oh, I love it. Uh. Next is Johnny Tremblay. Uh. Yeah. We call this guy. We call this guy. Uh. Freddy Cat. Because <laughs> he always be trembling. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh. Justin Fenton. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we call that guy test strip because, you know, you need yeah, to put fentanyl one. Yeah, strip. Uh-huh. I, I got you, dude. And last, we have Stephen Cuttrell. Cut. We call this guy Cuddy. Dude, obviously, we call him Obviously. Cuddy. Or Cottrell, I don't know. Could be that. Uh, Cody or Cuddy, either one. Mm-hmm. All right, and that is your $8 tier for this week. Once again, patreon.com slash broadcast. $8 tier will get you a shout-out. Please join us. Obviously, you hear babies. More babies coming soon. Help, 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 help. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? We, uh, 415, I almost gave our phone number a nickname. 415-275-0030. All right, everybody. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Wires. The wire. Yeah. Wire podcast. The world's only wire podcast. Yeah, bitch. This is a show about the wire. And it's also about putting out some fires it's about war on drugs and the war on terror it's about lots of things but it's also about cool guys who sell drugs to their friends and their thugs and everybody's seeing all the things going on and no one doing nothing and no one's ever gonna win and the war won't end to everyone tries heroin about schools and people who work at the docks and people who teach in schools and the newspaper guys at the end and also about drug dealers and also about drug users and also about McNulty getting a divorce from his wife he's not a very good dad and also to not do anything when
either probably I'd be too scared to do it. Suck it, 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 suck So now I'm just doing songs from 2002. 2002, guys. <laughs> Omar kisses his boy Brandon, hooks the fiend up with some hair on, rubs the shoulder of his friend John. Omar's telling him, job well done. Belly turns and walks away from him. Kind of weirded out by case. Malone in the ER laid up, kiss he fractured his vertebra. That's that goat did him up. Puts in his retirement papers Gonna leave with two-thirds pay Won't he? Focus said he's going away Bitch Okay, sis, Pedro Cresson Apartment on the ground floor Got shot right through her window In Baltimore From Boys Village, carving her cuss out his grandma. Bodie hitchhikes, steals that guy's car back in the pit one day laid out. Just too bad they can't hold me. And then D'Angelo tells the story. Okay, so Deidre Cresson dated his own Calabone. Started to yell and threaten. Self the wire only wire podcast episode for still no wire.
Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.